Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Head on over to jointhenerdclan.com to get all kinds of great bonus material from Blake and myself, including Blake's book club, Keep Calm and Crown On the podcast, as well as the bonus After Doc podcast episodes. There's so much that you don't want to miss out on in the Nerd Clan. So if you want to support an independently produced podcast like the one you're listening to right here, or just Mary and Blake Media in general, you can do that by going to jointhenerdclan.com to become part of the best community on the interwebs. I do not want to be alone. I know that now. But what I do not know is how to be the man you need me to be. The man you truly deserve. I, I do not know how to do this. Yes. You do. Definitely. I know you do. You stay. You stay. And we get through this. Together. If you do this, if we do this, then... And nothing else will matter. Providence, Rhode Island. Welcome to Bridgerton with Mary and Blake. It's a podcast dedicated to Bridgerton on Netflix. So sit back, relax, and let's get ready to spill the tea. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back. My name is Mary Larson. My name is Blake, and I wish I could just like hop dance the way that they were. Without getting dizzy and nauseous? Yeah, just just straight up, just hopping, dancing, running around, going in circles. I think one time around that circle, I'd be done. Spinning. It's pretty much like the Earth's orbit. You know, like you're going around the sun, <laughs> but you're also spinning while you do it. Right, yeah, no way. <laughs> I would have fallen and broken my neck. Like, Not to I, mention bumping that. to people. Yeah. How do you know when it's your turn to go in? It's like a rotary, like a driving rotary. Right, you just gotta like wait and like hit the gas when fingers. you think yeah you know you know you've been in that situation too when you hit the gas just you know a little too Ooh. late or a little too early and then like the horns start going and you got you're in the middle of the rotary and it's it's just miserable do they make a decision like there can only be eight couples in this circle spin around dance right yeah, is now it like, is there like an unwritten rule yeah. that you have to follow and you count and you're like one two three four five six seven we can do it we can oh do it. crap oh. Judy just went in. <laughs> Sally and Joe just went in. <laughs> Damn them. Took my spot. Well, before we get into this episode, we would love to remind you that you can actually hit that subscribe button in your podcast app of choice. You can also find us on social media by searching for Mary and Blake. You can head to maryandblake.com to find all of our other podcasts and blogs because we appreciate the fact that you just binged Bridgerton. Yes, you did. And then you most likely binged the Bridgerton with Mary and Blake podcast. And you may have some free time in your life and you're like, what else can I do? I'm going to tell you, head on over to maryandblake.com. We have a slew of other shows that we've covered in addition to um, all these different podcasts podcasts and blogs. And we also have a Facebook group that we would love for you to check on out. You honestly just go to Facebook and you type Mary and Blake 
and you're going to see our group yeah. pop on up in the search bar. That's it. That's all you need to do. Just look up Mary and Blake Mavity. Ready to get into this episode, the finale of season one. Oh, yes, I am. Let's do it. So, Blake, yes. share with us the details of this episode. The title for this episode was called After the Rain, yes. which I think is an obvious reference to this episode. The, the, the rain's in the middle of their ball, mm-hmm. and we are left with the, the happiest of endings mm-hmm. for Simon and Daphne. Though, 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 we don't get a happy ending for everybody. So, nope. I think it's inclusive of all the characters uh, in the show, what happens after the rain? Correct. So I really like that a lot. Agreed. Uh, the director was Alric Riley. You should know that name because he was the one who directed the last episode, the penultimate episode, Oceans Apart. And the writer was the showrunner and, and uh, well, not the creator necessarily, but the showrunner for the show, Chris Van Dusen. So, and he uh, helmed the premiere episode mm-hmm. of Bridgerton. Very cool. Um, and that is that. Marvin, your cups of tea rating for the finale. A solid five. I am not full surprised. Cup. Not surprised. Yeah. A full full cup of a tea. A full brimming cup of tea, complete with milk and sugar. <laughs> Sweet, satisfying. Is it a cube of sugar or is it just, you know? You know, I'm down for the cube. I kind of like the cube too. Yeah. Just because it's different. You don't really yeah. get cubes all that often. And then you know, how much is in it? Not like it really matters. Right. But like, I'm down with Just the give cube. me all the sugar. <laughs> okay. Imagine if you went to like Dunkin', they were like, hey, give me uh, four cubes. They'd be like, get out of here, yeah. guy. Yeah. What, are, what are you talking about? What are you about? talking about? It comes Blake, out of a machine. What was your, your tea rating? Your cup, cup uh, rating? I'm giving it a 4.7 cups of tea. Which is essentially a Mary's five. Yeah, I feel like they're probably translatable. <laughs> yeah, 4.7. Is this your highest of the show? Yes. Wow. Um, and it's probably not the best episode of the show. But I and I know that is counterintuitive to what my rating. But you says, enjoyed it the most. But I enjoyed it the most. And, and Mary and Blake commandment is, you know, how do you feel when you watch a yes. show? That's what matters most. What do you feel? And what I felt in this episode was lots of catharsis, um, lots of anger and frustration and uh, happiness. So. Because of that, I'm giving it a 4.7, and I feel like it wraps up a lot of what the show is trying to say, while mm-hmm. also giving us a few avenues to continue for Agreed. future seasons. So, 4.7, I think it does its job as a finale. Speaking of future seasons... Yes. Netflix made a big, shocking reveal about future seasons for Bridgerton. Yes, there, it potentially could reach up to eight seasons. Uh, Chris Van Dusen and uh, those at Shondaland Media have arranged the it, door. Have arranged it so that if the show were to continue for as long as however Netflix wants to produce it, it could go up to eight seasons. Now, mind you, they were filming uh, this season this time last year. Yes. So just to keep in mind, of course, we're still in the pandemic right now for them to try to figure things out. But um, yeah, that's very exciting for Bridgerton fans. And given the nature of the show itself and the cost, the mm-hmm. size, the amount of cast and crew that must be involved. I mean, you're talking a show that has, you know, nearly five to six main characters mm-hmm. Never mind all the secondary characters yes. that are directly related to those main characters. So Lots of quarantining. So much <laughs> quarantining. The only show that I think would probably exceed this would be something along the lines of like, this is us. And even then, 
I don't know. Even then, half of the cast we haven't seen this season because they're just taking what we're calling a COVID nap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which means they're not on scene. Right. All right. right so, right. time for the GVGs. Yes. The good, the bad, and the great for the season finale of Bridgerton. My good was the painting scene. Yep. Um, not only was it amazing and Blake and I both have this soft spot in our hearts we're like when we're actual real adults we do want to have a painting made of our family <laughs> some grandiose painting um, you know granted we don't dress like that normally but you know it just kind of like gets at your heart and so you get to see the scenery and you get to see how it's how it's made you know they're in front of this backdrop and the artist already painted the backdrop the faux backdrop in the the painting and he's f- focusing on Simon and Daphne trying to get them ever so slightly together and he is judging them up and down okay like oh, why don't you guys be a little closer you can actually smile oh, okay and then there's that moment when Simon puts his his arm on Daphne's shoulder and they look at each other so longingly and they miss each other and that's when of course the artist you know says like this this is pretty much the epitome of devotion. Right. And that is the word that he used. And I just thought it was so beautiful. My bad. There was like a three-way tie for my bad. Really? Yeah. Okay. What's uh, what's your... Well, give me the top one and then give me the two runner, runners up. By Marina. Yeah. Hashtag by Marina. You know, we spent so much time with her. And I appreciate that her story is wrapped up and I hope it's wrapped up for good because I just didn't enjoy her as a character. I did not enjoy spending as much time as we did. I would have much preferred to spend more time, honestly, with like Penelope, with Eloise, with the Queen, Mm -hmm. like Lady Danbury. What does she do all day? I want people who I care about, who I'm interested about. None of which is Marina. I've got a feeling she ain't. She's coming back. <sighs> anyway, we ain't gonna see the last of her. Um, my runners up for my bad yep. is the poison bottle. Oh yeah, that was. Yeah, just like walks and it's like slam poison. Yeah, he, okay. you might as well have the the skull and crossbones with X's no joke. on it. I like, was like, okay, does that mean he dies? Does he like? Are we supposed to interpret that he sees the bottle that says poison right in front of him? Are they going to force him to drink it? Yeah. That was just like cheesy and very awkward. You for know what me. that reminds me of? What? That reminds me of they got in the editing bay and they were like, this is not 100% clear. We need something to make it oh, clear. Like he walks in there with these guys and it's not clear that they kill him. Yeah. So they're oh. like, okay, let's get a shot of somebody <laughs> putting a bottle poison. down. It says, po- literally says poison on <laughs> yes. it. That's what that reminds me and of. And then my other bad was just how I felt for Anthony. Like, I just felt so bad for him when he was leaving Senate. So we'll talk about him later, but I actually felt really bad for him, which is a change no matter how I felt for him Imagine all season. That. I know. My great... You are Bridgerton. There is nothing you cannot do. Mm. The talk, that whole scene, when starting from when Lady Violet, um, Lady Bridgerton is talking with Daphne, and Daphne's saying, I, I love my husband. I just don't know if it's enough to save this marriage. I don't know how to make things work. And we've gotten to see Violet talk about how much she loved her husband. And we've known this from day one. Daphne's talked about how, how much she looked up to her parents' marriage. Um, so she just gets to say this. And I felt like Lady Bridgerton was saying it to me. Sure. Like, there is nothing you cannot do. (laughs) I may have messed up. I may have not explained sex. I may not have done a lot of things right. But you, my darling, there is nothing that you cannot do. Um, And then from that going on to the rain, to the talk, to everything. And there's something specific about her saying you're a Bridgerton. Yes. There there is... um, 
a level of exceptionalism that mm-hmm. she truly believes that the the Bridgerton name gives her the ability to really accomplish whatever yes. she so chooses. Whether or not there there is any specificity in that, uh, and if there's anything that has led to that assessment, I think is it yet gave to be Daphne seen. the placebo effect. <laughs> certainly, certainly, absolutely. All right, for me, my good Lady Danbury, telling everybody to go pound sand. Everybody, get out. Yes. Time to go. You don't got to go home, but you can't stay here. With her little cane. Yeah, right? She like, just, <laughs> the no, no, cheese no, no, no. people were about to go. <laughs> I love the cheese peeps because, A, they got back together. Yes. I needed them to get back together. Um, during that rain scene- Prince I, of Chew. <laughs> I was quite nervous for the food and the painting. More so the painting. Like, how long should it stay in the rain? Yeah. But also, guys, that's a lot of food you're wasting. So I've envisioned in my rewatches of this episode that- the cheese peeps were like, the cheese table's empty. <laughs> <laughs> we must go save the cheese. <laughs> and that's when Lady Van Danbury, you know, yeah, motions for everybody like, to yeah, stop. No, 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 no. Take a hike. Yeah. And she even says it in front of the queen. I don't think she's ordering the queen per se. She's ordering everybody else to get the heck yeah, out of Yeah, but part of me thinks that Danbury's like, no, no, I don't care that you're the queen. This is their moment. You don't, you, I don't, the queen, if you are the queen. The queen's down. She's down for, for the love. Well, yeah, because it's, uh, it's a, it's a reflection on her marriage uh, that once the she diamonds. once had, mm-hmm. and then it's escaped her. And I think she, I honestly believe that the queen, as much as she is like a, a scheming little bitty, I think she truly believes in love. Agreed. And especially when you, when she sees her husband mm-hmm. suffering from the attack that he had, you could see it in her face. Yes, you know, and that gives a a, a, a mode, well, at least a, a sliver of authenticity about her, mm-hmm. uh, because so much of it has been. Uh, you know, posturing and 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 <laughs> like and, being mad at little Eloise, yeah, and facade, and yeah. and yeah, being mad at Eloise, and I mean, I mean, I know it's part of the at least within universe and in the real world, it's part of the costuming of it all. But like all the hair and the dresses and the makeup and everything, you know, it's a facade for the queen, hmm. you know. And this is a, I think her emotion towards her husband is a, is a real one. All right, my bad though. Okay, you're bad. And this is something that I think can break the season. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, it, I think it can break the season if you want to be cynical about it. Oh, well, I'm not going to be. If you want, if you want to be analytical and you want to I just to be, want to have fun and watch a Netflix show that takes me out of the world today. Yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, but if you, want, <laughs> if you wanted to watch television for the purposes of being analytical and breaking it down... Uh, the fact Shush. that the fact of the matter is, we have uh, Daphne and Simon. Mm-hmm. Just they're happily back together after a speech and a half uh, from Daphne, and maybe a little. They've bit been of, longing for each other all this time. I know, but when you talk about, let's call it twenty-five years of boyhood mental repression. And then all of a sudden, they have this one little speech, and everything's okay, and we're willing to have kids, and it's all set. It's a lot for me to accept. Uh, it's a lot, I think, for the show to wrap up this season-long courtship, and then marriage, and then real specific divide in this marriage, like with real intent. Uh, to wrap that up within five to ten minutes. 
obviously he's not a Pisces and he's able to digest his feelings pretty quickly. <laughs> In the end, I just wish, I just wish that the show really, I wish that the show was probably 10 episodes. I agree. I agree. I, like, give us this, give us, give us a little bit more bonding and stuff because. Yes, she like finds out all of this about him and proclaims her love for her. But you're saying that you wanted time for him to do the same for her. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I, I wanted that moment. Like we talked about, I think, a few episodes ago when they say, I burn for you. Yes. Did the show earn that moment? Yep. Uh, you know, I, I, if I squint at it, I'll say, yes, they earned it. I'm not a hundred percent sure they earned the resolution um, that I'm came down about. with it. So I mean, it's not to say that I'm not down with it, and I'm willing to go it's along. It's been all this time. It's not yeah. just like one day. Hey, okay, now I'm going to forgive my dad. It's been building up. It's been throughout their entire courtship. He loves Daphne. It's been through their now marriage. It's been through their ups and downs. But, and she gives him, she gives him the acknowledgement that it's okay to be loved even if you're not perfect. Sure. That but, is the key. That's all he needed. And it. all you need is love. And, you know, love is what conquers all. And yep. yes, that is the great theme of the, I think. So what's your great? The show. Uh, but, you know, all right, Mike, fine. We'll get into yeah. it later. My great. My great is the bookends. Oh, of course. How can it not be? That's another Mary and Blake commandment. You you want to give you want to get to my heart? You give me a good bookend. And Explain. That uh, is accomplished in a couple of different ways. We'll analyze them a little bit further, I think, later on in the conversation. But uh, first is the birthing scene uh, that happens. Uh, that one that mirrors, you know, Daphne's birthing scene mirrors. Uh, Simon's mother's birth, mm-hmm. um, and then also uh, the the bees. The bees show up, mm-hmm. and uh, the season begins with a bee landing on the the door knocker, and then the season ends with the bee on the windowsill flying away. There again, there's some symbolism there that I think we're going to get into, but I just love a good bookend, and that's when you know again you feel like you're taken care of. You feel like we had a beginning, we have an ending, and in the middle, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. And it feels like a, 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 a closed book. Okay, we can, this is a full, complete story. And I like that. I like when that happens. Nice. So that is that. It might be now time, though, to get into the music that was used mm. in this episode. Shall we, my darling? We shall. All right. But so. only if you dance around in a circle while you're spinning. Like. <laughs> if you want to die, then <laughs> yes, that's what we'll do. <laughs> So the show revisited Max Richter. Love. This is, again, his recomposed version of Vivaldi, The Four Seasons. And this particular portion, or movement, if you will... Spring. Is spring. Which is important, Mm -hmm. because spring is a sign of rebirth, and spring is a sign of life, and uh, the, the giving of life, so that when they have this moment... When they're dancing with each other, this is the beginning of their rebirth as a married couple. Love it. So, and I just love that and I song. just love... I love the original version. Yeah. I love Max Richter's version. Oh, Max Richter. All of it. And if you, if you get a chance, go download Max Richter's Four Seasons. Yes. It's amazing. And then go ahead and download the soundtrack to The Leftovers. <laughs> because that's even better. 
Uh, and I love this. So, yeah, this is it. There Spring. we go. Bye, Max Richter. Love it. Thank you, Blake. You're welcome. You ready You're to welcome. get into the that show? Was, yes, that was the only one that was that was used. Okay. All right. So, oh, one thing before we get into the rest of the show, mm-hmm. uh, and it actually is pertinent to this episode. Okay. But one of the commenters uh, on Facebook in our group uh, sent us a message and said, "Hey, Thank Blake, you. just listen to your latest episode. It was great." And I have two comments. One, the reason why they call it a period is because it is periodic happens at regular mostly intervals i think a man invented that name i'm with mary i like courses better me too and number two i'm surprised blake didn't say anything about the fight scene between anthony and simon it seemed like they sped it up or were my were my eyes playing tricks on me it seemed like weird like a superhero movie or something uh now i don't I don't have the name for this person just because I, I, I didn't copy it and I'm not going to look it up as we, as we do it right now. But please know that whoever whoever you are, you have credit. Thank you yes. so much for asking this question. And in that in that commenting thread, I did answer her question uh, or, or at least uh, address this comment. And it's, uh, I think, a, a pertinent one uh, about the filming aspect of it all. Uh, it's not necessarily that they changed you know, like filming styles or they didn't speed it up or whatever. Uh, it's it really what happens is when you have action scenes, there are different methods to film action scenes. So when you're getting two people fighting or when you're seeing a superhero movie, things seem to move really quick, largely because they are moving quick. Uh, and the, the camera angle and the, the style of the, um, of the picture itself just feels different. It feels more energetic, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One is they lower the shutter speed, so it allows uh, more light to come in, and you're getting more clarity in that photo. Uh, another thing that happens is that they they up the frame rate. So whenever you're watching something, like a, a film is f- filmed or, or a movie is filmed at 24 frames per second. Right, so you see 24 frames of film in a second worth of film. That's crazy. So when you're doing uh, when you're doing an action scene, you're actually upping the frame rate. So sometimes what will happen is some filmmakers will go to 25 frames per second or 26 frames. Some filmmakers will go to 30 frames per second, and to the eye. It just looks a little different because you're getting more information. Again, you're getting more clarity. Mm-hmm. You're getting more information in the picture. Uh, something, someone uh, that used this to disastrous effects effect was Peter Jackson when he filmed The Hobbit. Okay. He filmed The Hobbit in 60 frames per second. Why? Just because he was experimenting and he wanted this really high quality like image. The problem was is that when you film in a 60 frames per second, you as the viewer aren't trained to watch a movie at that high frame rate. Mm -hmm. You've been trained to watch it at 24 frames per second. Okay. So when you see 60 frames per second, it looks almost fake. And uh, it looks like, um, uh, you know, who uses these high frame rates is uh, soap operas. They film in high frame rate. So it has that plastic look to it. Uh, The Hobbit suffered from the same thing when it came out everyone's like oh 60 frames per second and then everyone saw it they were like, and they said no <laughs> this looks awful oh, no. technically it's better okay but it's not because okay. your eye is not trained to look at that that way so when that happens 
uh, you're getting more information. And the last thing that they do when they film these kind of um, uh, scenes is that the camera is handheld. Uh, when you're watching Bridgerton, for the most part, you're seeing everything on a on a dolly. You're seeing everything that is stabilized. Mm-hmm. But when you uh, when you watch something that is handheld, the camera is jittery. It moves. It moves quickly. It moves without without um, without warning. And you see that happen in that scene. You saw that happen when things go to slow mo when Simon and Daphne are dancing. Yes. And then also you see that happen too in the birthing scene when the camera is walking in to the room, Mm -hmm. it's a handheld camera. And that's used to perpetuate and give it the idea that something is amiss. Something is not stable. It's a a visual trick to teach you and to give you the sense that, whoa, what I'm watching is not right. Mm -hmm. Something is off or something is unstable it's a visual cue to say something is different here yeah. other than what, and like usually what will happen to you is somebody will use canted angles. Like it's on an angle, whatever. It just, it's another visual cue to tell you that what you're watching is not normal. Okay. And uh, so that is the, that is the explanation behind why that fight scene looked so different from the rest of the show. Interesting. So there you go. So that's, that's some nerd filmmaking for you. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, now that, now that you've all woken up. <laughs> you know, everybody's going. No, some people do really love this stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's filmmaking porn. That's what it really is. Like, it's, it's just great stuff. Okay. I could talk about it all day. I know you could. <laughs> all right, so what do you got now? Uh, what do you have uh, for this uh, for this episode, what's st- what stands out to you? You know what doesn't stand out? What's that? Francesca, she's yeah. back. Oh, you mean you mean Peggy? Yeah. Eliza and Francesca, like she's that <laughs> little of a plot point, but she needs to come back. Yes, apparently she was in Bath. Yeah. For, for some for the whole season. Good for her. Now she's back just in time for Colin to leave. Maybe there's some weird rule in the Bridgerton household that not. All of the children can be there at once. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're doing it to save money <laughs> for production. Yeah. Okay, we're going to switch you out and bring you in. Oh, okay, so we get man. Francesca there, whatever. Um, how about you? I've got some other things, but... Well, I do want to talk about the mirroring, yes. uh, at least. You actually have, like, real things. Yeah, I, I want to talk about the mirroring I have of... what people wore... I have sex. The, uh, of the birthing scenes. Okay. Uh, and I use that term mirroring purposely because it is almost a shot for shot remake uh, mm. for Daphne's, Daphne's birthing scene to Simon's mother's birth scene. Very cool. However, when I say mirror, that's on purpose because a mirror, yes, is a, is a remake of whatever you're looking at, but it is the opposite of what you're looking mm-hmm. at things appear backwards to you in a mirror, right? Yeah. So you're looking at a, the other half of you, one that you don't necessarily see all the time. It is the opposite of what you are. And that is what exactly happens in this birthing scene. Yes. The obvious thing is that Daphne does not die in birth. Whereas Simon's mother does die in birth. But there are other things that occur in the birth scene. The fact too. that Simon is by her side Simon during birth. Simon is by her side Woo. holding her hand. Uh, whereas his father was in the, in the room, yeah. but then in the hallway. And another big thing that happens here too is the, the nurse takes the baby 
and gives it to Daphne. Whereas in Simon's mm-hmm. birth, the nurse took the baby and gave it to his father. Yep. The mother was left you know, in the Bleeding bed, out, just yeah. doing whatever she was doing. Dying. And couldn't even hold the kid before she croaks. In this case, the baby is given to Daphne, and then she asks Simon, would you like to hold him? Yeah. And instead of holding the baby and taking it out into the hallway, he holds the baby and stays right next to Daphne. Love it. So not only is it uh, a technical shot-for-shot remake, essentially, but it is a mirrored version of each other, which is excellent. And it feels like they took great care in making sure that this scene um, really speaks to the opposite of what Simon's Agreed. I agree. So I really like that. Lovely. Too. Another thing that happens too is, is the bees. Um, now book readers are excited about the bees. Blake and I have not read the book yet. I will read this book um, and I will read the the series, but we are be clueless. Okay. Yeah. I don't so, know what happens. So show being show. Yes. Book being book. When you look at the bees, what do you interpret them as Blake? Well, I don't necessarily know. So I'm sure that there's a plot point at some juncture, excuse me, at some juncture of the show. <laughs> As I burp a little bit, I'm, I apologize. Um, so classy. Yeah, I know. There was that Mexican burrito that I had. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I'm sure that there's a plot point that relates to the bee somehow, right? There's no way that they're going to make such a big fuss. Or is it that it's just a little special thing, a little nod to the book readers? That, well... Again, that's what I'm getting at. I'm sure that there was a plot point that's special to the book readers that involves bees at some point. In terms of the show itself, I don't know. So my thought was, well, you got to go look out bee symbolism. What does a bee symbolize in... For a mere show watcher. For a mere show watcher, right? So the thing that I have endeavored to discover for this entire day, uh, and I've looked at more bees, B material than I care to admit, but eventually I will sum it down. I will drive down it to you for this. Okay. Uh, For you book readers, you're probably laughing, but for those of you who are watching the show, bear with me. Uh, The B symbolizes community and brightness and personal power. Uh, Your a B will lead you to discover your new destination, Mm. if you will. And I think that works for this episode. The the bee and it, it works for the season. The bee be- begins the season, knock going on the door knocker, and this season is a new journey, if you if you will. It's a new journey for all of our characters, and they discover their new purposes. They discover their new destinations, and the bee reappears when Daphne and Simon finally mm. start a brand new journey yep. together, That's and that parents. is that. Something that also uh, sticks with me, too, is uh, that the Druids, they saw the bee as symbolizing the sun or the goddess or celebration and community of all of, uh, aspect of their life. Um, and during these festivals, mead was usually consumed, mead, the drink. Okay. And the main ingredient of mead, of course, is honey, which is made from the honey bee. 
So it symbolizes life and sun and, and the birth, and which is again goes back to the idea of playing spring. You're getting so deep, man. I know, I know. So when you uh, are looking at bees, you're, you're thinking about what are your goals in life and you want to heed your inner voice and your inner wisdom. And that also applies to this episode because I think Simon does finally heed to inner wisdom where mm. he's like, I can... I can have a child and be loved and not be perfect. And it's okay. He's no longer listening to his dad. He's listening to himself. Uh, and lastly, uh, the Celts, which is significant to this area of the country that we're watching, uh, they treated bees as family members. They would inform the bee about all the happenings, including weddings and births and deaths and family. And the beekeepers used to talk to bees calmly for the Celts. Oh, nice. And uh, in, in Scotland, people thought bees carried ancient knowledge from legends and philosophers. This How? led to the famous Scottish saying, ask the wise bee for what the druid knew. Uh, and some people, some Scots believe that while you were sleeping, your soul left your body in the form of a bee. So is there some sort of like history with bees in this family are there is it like relatives visiting the birth visiting the home that kind of thing and i find that fantastic i love that aspect of what the bee symbolizes Agreed. for this family for this show and what the showrunners are trying to we're down you. for the bee even though we don't even get it yeah no i don't get it I, <laughs> but this is just my musings of yes. what you know in the area bees symbolize yeah so it's you know it's important it is important it's, it's important to, to uh, talk about so that is that i've been talking a lot so i'm gonna let you talk mary i apologize okay let's bring on the fluff okay anthony's sex scene with sienna oh i am gonna miss the chemistry between those two actors yes next season Goodness, flipping me. There are moments, like, I love Daphne and Simon. Sure. But. Ooh, there's something hot and passionate about those two. There is something so hot yeah. about Anthony and Sienna. Yep. Like, so hot. And, and, it, and mind you, none of it looks comfortable. I mean, we start off with Anthony and Sienna having sex against a tree. You know yeah. that her back got scratched up like Jamie Fraser's in that process. <laughs> and then this one. Oh, I couldn't stop because they're underneath the the stadium stairs. Yes. And I just kept thinking about the greatest showman. Blake always calls Anthony, what is oh, it? Oh, uh, low rent Hugh Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never be able to see him again the same way. He does. He looks like a very it, young Hugh Jackman. It, it, he's a low rent Hugh Jackman and Kate and Leopold. Yeah. That's what he is. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, here he is underneath the stairs and it's like, this is the greatest show. Like I'm just picturing like boom, boom. Boom, the greatest showman soundtrack. Anyway. Do you want to know something else that I, I, I do have to in yes, interject please. here? Please. I I find it apropos that mm -hmm. these two are making love underneath all of the people. Like what the inherent act of it has to take place below everybody. Mm. And so it's a symbolize it's symbolizing like this is a sinful act. It yeah. is something that, you know, is you know, inherently preposterous. They yep. should not be doing it. And if you notice the 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 coloring of that um, of that scene is 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 engulfed in orange and red mm -hmm. and you know stuff of fire. Sienna's and even passion. wearing red in that right, scene. Right. Right. Wow. So think, think yeah. of that too. It's, it, that is an inherent 
visual cue that what is going on between these two is wrong. Oh, okay. You know what was visually completely different? Absolutely. What Everyone at the Hastings Ball. Oh, all the blues and the grays. Everyone wore the same color palette. They yeah. went to Home Depot and they got the swatch <laughs> and they said, okay, everybody, everyone's dress except for the Featheringtons. Yep. Yeah, not not great, Bob. Needs to be. Not great. <laughs> not great, Bob. Needs to be blue. Blue, oh. light shades of lavender, possibly gray. I actually liked it. Yeah. But I wonder. I wonder if Daphne said, you must wear this color to my party. Well, if you notice that a lot of the balls, that everyone, there was a similar color palette mm. for all the guests. Like, is that a thing? Would that be a thing with the balls? Like, this is the color palette for this episode. Yeah, maybe. Dance. I mean, who knows in the real world? But like in this universe, yeah, yeah sure. Why not? I mean, that's that's what it feels I like. I mean, their flowers were along the same vein. You know, the yep. decor was in the same vein. But and then, of course, as I said, you get the poor Featheringtons that are just standing just out like did a sore not thumb. get the memo. <laughs> or they just didn't have enough blue. Everyone bought all the blue um, yeah. fabric oh, from the Modiste. At, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say from Joanne Fabrics. They, you, know, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, they did not, they didn't see the little star note on the bottom of the yes. Evite, you know. Please match your dress to the color <laughs> of the of the font in this ring. Uh, but again, another visual cue that something is yes. off with the Featheringtons. You know, while, that while they're there, you know, they are not one even though they were invited. Let's yeah. have a moment for Mr. Featherington. Oh, he got what he, he had coming to him a little bit. When, you, when you're dealing with those kind of people. I don't exactly understand what happened. I also don't know who has the deed to the house. And I don't know what Mrs. Featherington was searching for in his desk. Was it the deed? Was it all the money? It was the money. It was so the money did he take all of that money and just go to the whorehouse? No, I think what happened was while they were at the potty, okay. these people showed up. And took the money, the bad guy the bad with the guys. scar. Yeah, okay, yeah. and so what? I, my interpretation of it's, what happened—it's very vague. Yeah, my interpretation of what happened was these guys, the got bad a, guys, got a, yeah, the bad guys got a whiff of the fact that they lost because it was planned, and who set this whole thing up was Featherington, and he got all the money, and all of a sudden he just has the guts to say, okay, here's my house as collateral. I'm going to put all this money on 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 this guy. And the guy just happens to win. Mm-hmm. Like after seemingly dominating that entire fight. Mm-hmm. Now these people, obviously, scar in the face. Yeah. Not, not good not people. Not their first time in the rodeo either. So when they get cheated, you know, someone's got to pay the bill. And it was it was Baron Featherington that, that does that. So you think that they also robbed his house after they killed him? I think once they once after. they killed him, they went and robbed his house. And took the deed? And Can you just like straight up take a deed or does the deed get inherited to somebody? So the way that the show is writing it is that the deed, the estate, mm-hmm. is inherited by somebody else. Right? So... At least legally, right? Okay. Le- legally, right now in the real world, if you're going to pass, if you own your house outright. That's how Marina comes back. Her dad. <laughs> that was my scribbling prediction. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, Mary. You're welcome. Appreciate that. This is why I don't have scribbling predictions. I just say everything out. Right when it comes train of thought. Choo-choo. It's fine. 
Fine, fine. I didn't even look at the Google Doc. Sorry. That's okay. That's no problem. It's no problem. So the way that it happens, legally, right now, if you own your house outright, you have your deed. like Kind of like your car. When you have your... Uh, when you have uh, what the, the, title. the title, when you have the title, that's your car. You own the title. If you want to give your car to somebody, you have to sign the title over to them. Mm-hmm. Generally, you have to sell it to them. It could be for as little as a penny or as much as you want, as long as someone's willing to buy it. You have to have a, a bill of sale. In terms of the deed, you can sign over your house to somebody as long as it's a. In, in the real world, it has to, you know, it has to be authentic and the whole thing. So. I'm operating under the assumption that the deed is inherited okay. and you have an inheritance uh, laid out for the deed okay. beforehand. That's the way that All I'm right. at Thanks. You're welcome. I've been talking way too much in this episode. Continue. Um, we then get speaking about the Featheringtons. We get the bombshell. It's Penelope. Yeah, how do you feel about this? Miss Whistledown. Well, we get that whole Eloise trying to save Miss Whistledown. Run, run, it's a trap. Oh my goodness gracious. Because the guy that you thought was Lady Whistledown, the Queen's um, bestie. Yeah, her, you know, her... Right hand man. Yeah. Um, he ends up telling Eloise once she so carefully, you know, strokes his ego, he tells her, like, Oh yeah, we're gonna catch whoever it is. Here's our plan. We know that it happens while these balls are happening. Right. The writer goes and gets the stuff printed at this particular printing press. So Eloise takes off and goes to save the person and come to find out it is Penelope, and we find this out at the end of the episode. Yes. Um how do you feel about that? How, first of all, how do you feel about the reveal? How do you feel that it is Penelope? We were right. Uh, what is? What are your thoughts I mean, on this whole process? I'm fine with it being Penelope because, as you said, like this is who you and I have been thinking for the most recent episodes that it would be. I thought the reveal was quite fun. It was kind of like a little extra bow. Yeah. Like you and I said, they have to either we have to either know who Whistledown is halfway through the season or at least at the end of this season. Yeah, I, I think the show made it a purpose to tell you that we're not going to do this with the wink, wink, nudge, nudge yeah. that we're going to tell you by the end of the season. Yeah. Um, I think an issue that I, I have with it is the Julie Andrews is obviously narrating it. And as the reveal is happening, Julie Andrews is saying, listen, I'm not, you're not going to know who I am until I right, let you yeah. in uh, until I tell you. And the camera is focused on Penelope and she lifts her hood and the whole mm-hmm. thing. I, I feel like those are two, um, those are two philosophies at odds with each other. Well, I think because we got to know and love Penelope so much as a character, yeah. it's going to be a fun adventure for us. Now we get to see how the whistle down papers are made. Right. Papes, get your papes. Um, <laughs> You know, we get to see how carefully she has to be. And maybe it can be from her perspective. We're kind of like a little spy. We know who it is. How long will the Whistledown papers continue to be dispersed? No, I love the idea of knowing who it is. Like, I, I think for future seasons, okay. that will make a very interesting narrative to see. Like, when you look, when you go back now, knowing that Penelope is Lady Whistledown, that must recontextualize the whole season you know especially after what happens with marina knowing penelope knowing that if she does what she does this is going to put her family in ruin Mm -hmm. right i mean that's a that's a big deal yeah and she does it anyway just to be spiteful you know and 
She has these conversations. Or to save Colin. Well, yeah, but that's part of her spite, right? Like, if, if I can't have Colin, nobody can. But also, I don't want the love of my life to be conned into a false marriage. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. So, uh, I don't I love know. how we see things differently because you're a Slytherin and I'm a Gryffindor. <laughs> I'm like, give her the benefit of the doubt, Blake. You're a wizard, Harry. She's looking out for Colin. So, I think it'd be interesting. I just, I think the the, the point of contention I have is that the, the narrator is telling you one thing, and, but you're in her perspective and she's not revealing herself unless she chooses to do it. So, for you as the viewer, is she actually choosing to reveal herself to you as just the viewer? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's just it's up for interpretation, that's all. You know what was not it for interpretation? What's that? The like unbuttoned shirt that Simon wears as he comes into Daphne's bedroom after the rain and everything. Oh yeah. He gave me Wesley vibes from the Princess Bride. Oh yes, okay. Yeah. I You know what I'm talking Wesley oh, yeah. like oh, of course, as yeah. you wish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He came in, I was like, Oh my gosh, Anybody can you please wear a mask? <laughs> It's my favorite joke from the entire Princess Bride. It's so good. It's just the best. Never gets old. Um, the lighting was off. We need to discuss for this, this whole episode. Please, please go get into the I lighting. I am not a lighting person. Blake yep. is the lighting nerd. I didn't know what time of day or night this ball was happening because the ball was happening when the sun was out. It looked like it was an outdoor ball, henceforth why it could get rained upon. Okay, they were dancing and it was still lit up. There was still sunlight. And yet when Eloise escapes in the carriage to go warn Lady Whistledown, it's nighttime. When Anthony is going to pick up Sienna for the ball before it starts or to be there still on time, Mm -hmm. it is nighttime. Like straight up nighttime. Right. Has like a candle in the window. Um, So then we have this ball and it rains still lit up, but, you yep. know, but there are candles. So maybe it was like sunset time. And then Simon and Daphne, while they're getting together and then getting it on, there's birds chirping. It's like morning time, but they're still wet. And he, even his shirt is still a little wet. So it's made to seem like they came inside, they got undressed. She took her hair out. Maybe an hour went by. Sure. And yet now it is 10 a.m. Sunwise coming into her room. Uh, I wouldn't say 10 a.m. I would, Eight. Eight. Birds chirping. This, this, the lighting, I was just very confused. It was what very time wonky. Is it? it was yes. very wonky. You couldn't, it, like, even even in the ball area, the lighting for the ball area, Yes. it mimicked daytime. Yes. And that's what made me think, like, okay, I guess they're having a ball at, like, 3 p.m. Yeah, but... The, but then nothing else lined up with that time frame, unless, unless like uh, Anthony was coming from a completely different time zone. <laughs> well, but but then again, Penelope leaves the ball to yeah. go do the the whistle down paper. Yeah, and the whistle down paper, the whole scene, sting scene, wicked late, takes place in the middle of the dock. Yeah, and then they go back to the ball. Yep, and it looks again, it looks like daylight. Now, I think that was probably just a mechanism of we have to shoot and we need we, this part need, to be suspenseful and we need Anthony to be moody. Yes. And we need the ball to look like it's clear so we can see everybody. 
you know, number one, you don't want to have Game of Thrones syndrome where you can't see the big oh, fi- yes. final battle of the Battle of Winterfell, right? You, you can't have that. You know nothing, Jon Snow. But it needs to be light. Uh, like it's it, it it was a little wonky. I would love to talk to the director uh, about the lighting and what the decision making process was for the whole because for a person like me who doesn't notice the lighting to be so confused what time is it (laughs) like right did anthony miss the memo that the that the ball starts at noon like why is he picking sienna up at 9 p.m right no wonder she's having (laughs) sex she thought he stood her up um yeah so we'll we'll just kind of get off that speaking of having speaking of having sex yeah uh let's talk about marina here a little bit uh, I think I'm so conflicted about Marina. Um, it's twofold. Okay. One thing that happens is really great, like really, really great, and I, it's the it's the magic of editing, which I really like. Uh, there's a scene between Lady Featherington and Marina, mm-hmm. and Marina seems to be on her way home. Uh, and we don't know for what purpose. We don't know what, maybe it's just the season is over. She's going home. They can't take care of her anymore. They don't have any money. They lost all the money, everything. This all has come to a head now and Marina's got to go back. She asks Lady Featherington, how did you do it? How did you mm-hmm. last the marriage for 20, 30 years, whatever it was with that's loveless? How did you do it? And you know, the, the whole explanation on oh, this, the little things and you mm-hmm. learn to love and yada, yada. And it's relatively similar to something that Daphne suggests to Simon. Love is a choice. Like, you can do this. Um, which I think plays well with it. But again, the magic of editing, what you realize without it being told to you straight out is that Marina is going down to be with the brother. Yes. And go live the rest of her life with the brother. Yes. And... When you see that happening, you say, wow, okay, now I understand the context of that conversation. Mm -hmm. And they didn't spoon feed it to you. It wasn't the bottle of poison. Yes. You know, you you had to engage with it to understand it. Mm -hmm. I loved that choice. I thought that was an excellent choice. The problem is baked in to the conceit, which is she has to go marry the brother. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm not in love with that choice. I'm not in love with her ending up the way that she did. Maybe they'll end up falling in love. It'll be like um, Legends of the Fall. Oh, where, where, where the lady falls in love with all three brothers? Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like that. Oh, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I just... Or she'll be like, wow, I ended up getting the better brother. Like, right? I thought I had it good. Yeah. But like this guy didn't get killed. That guy was the a. He's not killed. But like also, he's younger, so he like saw what mistakes his brother made. Yeah, and he's a better cook. <laughs> like definitely a better pastry maker. Abs. Come on, man. Get give me all the the, the flour. British baking show. Yeah. <laughs> so much pudding. <laughs> all the pudding. <laughs> um. Yeah. I can I can be down. I'll. I will, as Marina most likely will be in the next season because of inheritance or whatever, I will be open to her at that point. I just think that Marina does a lot of bad stuff. Agreed. And 
especially to Penelope. She became a, a miniature Lady Featherington. Yes. Now, Lady Featherington had to pay the bill. And that is something that is important for that character. Boom, boom, ding. <laughs> yeah, literally, right? Marina doesn't. She kind of skates any kind of recompense. Yeah, she's one of those people that just keeps landing on their feet. I mean, one can say no. She is pregnant. She Yeah, but she fell up. Tries to Well, not really. I mean, her love is dead. Yeah, but she is getting like she's rescued by the brother and he seems to be an, a, a, a stable, upstanding guy trying Let's to do the right thing. see what it does thing. for the rest of the sisters. Because that was the other thing. Miss Featherington was like, and then there's going to be room in your estate for your distant cousins. Like, you're going to need to bring us all there. Right. Right. So. Unless the, one of the sisters marries Prince, Prince Achu. Cheese. The cheese guy. Cheese guy. Which, you know, is. Oh, I cannot wait for that wedding. It's just gonna be oh, fondue. So, oh, then so it's much fondue! Be a cheese board. The Gruyere is going to be ecstatic. Is there dessert it, cheese? Of course there is. Cheesecake. Cheesecake. <laughs> Ch- chocolate covered cheese. They may have statues of cheese that you just take your crackers to and carve out, and it's like <laughs> evolving art. <laughs> it's like strawberries and cheese, the strawberry juice and stuff, and the. You know, all the different jellies. I'm down for this wedding. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Um, another person that kind of skates, and I'm not 100% sure is going to continue to skate on all of this, is Will. Will. Oh, my God. I forgot who Will was. Yeah, Will. I went through the alphabet, A, B, C, D. Yeah, okay, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Will. Will uh, the boxer. The boxer. We don't really get to hear his name too awfully much. Yeah, you hear it every once in a while. Yeah. Um, Will does a deal with the devil here a little bit, and you know it gives up part of his honor for a good purpose. And for anybody that's been desperate and trying to take care of their family, I know one. I, I'm one of them. I've done things that I'm not proud of to take care of my family. So, but he probably shouldn't have bought that necklace. Definitely, I mean, is that the best use of All money? All I could think of was Goodfellas when they when the guy when they robbed it when they finally robbed Lufthansa and Robert De Niro says to everybody, "Don't make any big purchases." <laughs> and then the first thing everybody does is go out and buy cars and, and, and furs and houses and he has them all killed. Yep. That's all I could think of. And I kind of think, here's a, a secondary scribbling prediction oh, okay, for you. Oh, okay, since I ruined your first one. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing this on the fly, too, by the way. Okay. Uh, Will is, something happens to him because these guys know that he threw the fight. They know. Yeah. And it it ain't over with Featherington. Yeah, they got their money back, but this guy screwed but him. at what cost? Yeah, so... Yeah, she, the uh, Will's wife is holding the necklace, and yeah, it's a big deal, and they're at the wedding, and and he's all dressed the up ball, to the nines. Not the wedding. Oh, sorry, the, the ball, whatever, whatever. So the stats are for nerds. And <laughs> are you telling me that he's just gonna he he's just gonna be okay? I, not with these people. I'd I mean, like him too. I, I want to see the, I, I want to see the bottle of poison show up in his do- doorstep. I would prefer that too. I mean, he's a family man. Yeah, but. He's got. He too has to pay the bill here a little he bit. He needs to get a regular job. Yeah, and, and, I can't be boxing all my life. So maybe it'll be something that'll physically happen to him. Like maybe somebody's gonna like knife him, 
And then he's not going to be able to box, but then he can do something else. Or like the Duke. Well, that was the idea. Like he was going to get all the money so that he didn't have to box going forward. He didn't have to put his life out on the line to make money and travel around wherever. He wanted a normal style job. Yeah. He might want to own like a cheese shop. Because he knows that there's a lot of need for it. Especially with uh, the cheese guy getting married. There's going to be some demand there. And the cheese guy can't, you know, provide his own cheese. Okay, so speaking of cheese, Benedict. What do you mean? I don't know. Just like cheesy. I just am not into Benedict in this episode. I'm going to go sleep around with her. You were wrong about her. I'm going to doodle. Leave me alone. Ma, ma, ma. And... Anthony is kind of cool with it, by the way, only because Anthony's he doing it too. He's doing it too, and I like the fact that Sienna tells him to go get a shine box. I agree, but I was talking about Benedict. No, I know, I know, but I'm oh, just saying. I'm just saying I was kind of schnooze fest on Benedict. Yeah, because I don't know what Madame he and Madame Delacroix are doing together. I do. Like, what? Well, well, I, mean, I know what they're doing. Yeah. But Did you see her hair? I don't ruffled. I I don't know Lock if that's going. I don't know if that's going anywhere. And you know, is that something that you know, as a Bridgerton, that is going to be accepted, especially when your sister is a duchess? I mean, let's be real. He's so old. People probably <laughs> his besties are behind him. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Bless his heart. Oh. But Anthony, as Sienna is saying farewell, yeah. you need to let me go. That was the first time I felt for Anthony. Yeah, there's this moment when uh, the actor makes this choice of like staying. I r- think it's sorry. So he stays right there and he just like kind of like looks off, and then he and he just looks back again. You could see like a decision being made. Yeah. Uh, it was a moment. This show is because it's eight episodes. It's moving. Mm-hmm. It's constantly moving, and the the pace is like it never really stops to stay on something. But in this particular case, they stayed right on him. Mm-hmm. I really liked that choice. Agreed. I really liked that choice. I was proud of Sienna for standing up. I don't think that he was necessarily asking her to change and be someone different than who she was. I think he was just saying, like, I'll take you to this really cool party tonight. We'll get you dressed up. Yeah. Um, I think he knows well aware who she is. And he was willing to take that chance. So I feel sad that she thinks that he expected her to change. But maybe she really could have never worked inside his lifestyle. And maybe it would have just become more of an embarrassment for her to have gone. So proud choice to get out of a toxic relationship. Well done, Sienna. I felt I felt all the Hugh Jackman vibes, though. Him standing there, it didn't remind me of the greatest showman when, when he comes back up to his wife and he's yeah. like, I really messed up. Um, I wanted to be more than who I was. Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. I was like, Hugh Jackman, it's okay. Oh, you're not Hugh Jackman. You're <laughs> Anthony. Low rent Hugh Jackman. Yes. And then that moment, like you said, where they hold on him with the candlelight in the pitch black. Right. Um <laughs> Confusing. While it's daylight at the party. And he like pouts and throws his flowers, which were perfectly good flowers. You sh- you bring that to the ball and you give them to your mom. Right. Make her feel better no about the No one's bringing her flowers anymore. She's just talking about her dead husband the whole time. Come on, Anthony. <laughs> what kind of first son are you? Just throw this flower. But he reminded me of Love Actually. Okay. When the guy's up at Kira Knightley's door and oh, then he yeah. does all those signs and then he's like, okay, it's done. By the way, Rick from The Walking Dead. Yes. <laughs> Messes with my brain. <laughs> But you know, like when he's d- he turns away and he's like, I gave him my all. Andrew and Lincoln now I'm is done. his real name. Sorry. I'm done. Yeah. And that's what I feel like it was for Anthony. Like, okay, 
this is done. And then he eventually admits to his brother that, okay, I'm going to get married, but I'm getting married for the sake of getting love out of the way. Just, I don't care about love. I just want to Yeah, I'm just going to do the things. Which I think is a good, from what I know, the next book is about Anthony and his, you know. Partner? Partner. Okay. and, 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 And their, you know. Uh, well, I'm glad I left. felt something for Anthony now because if I'm going to spend a season caring about him. Right. And I, I think when we do our, our season wrap up, mm. we, this is something that we should definitely get into. But I think that there is, you know, we talk about momentum uh, going into the finale. I think this show has momentum going into the next Agreed. season. Yes, it's ready. I think it's ready. I think it's prepared to go to the next season. I don't know how it's going to do eight seasons. Unless they really don't take breaks. Or else these people are going to be so old. That's true. I mean, I mean, maybe that's part of their character. Yeah, maybe, maybe they grow. Yeah, and, maybe we're supposed to see Eloise get married because by that point she's much older. Maybe we're supposed to see Francesca or Hyacinth or Gregory. Right. Or it's like Harry Potter. Like Harry Potter takes place in seven years. Mm-hmm. And each year they made a film. And each year those kids grew. And that was the idea. Yes. So perhaps that's what Bridgerton is trying to do is hoping to do yeah. yeah is hoping to do with itself cool. but, but again i think that's that's part of the conversation we'll have for okay. the for the wrap up well do you want to wrap this episode up is my question i i do uh, there's one other thing that i want to say is the episode itself was an hour 12 which is more than its predecessors that's predecessors were between 55 and 57 minutes generally mm-hmm. so we get more time in this episode which gives us another you know quarter of an episode or so we needed it we definitely needed it uh and i think it allowed the show to do some more things than it it normally did which is something like you said mary low rent hugh jackman mm-hmm. staring off into the distance or violet waking up Touching the pillow. Touching the pillow. And, you know, just spending these few minutes just doing these little scenes that it never really had the time to do. Agreed. uh, Which I think is important. I think it's important for the show. I think it's important for... Um, All the work that was put into even just the decor. I mean, we got to spend some time even just walking down the hallway with Daphne. You know, you got to see these really cool shots and she bumps into the Duke and then she ends up and going finding the papers and stuff, the letters. But you just got to be there with her. Those moments of silence. Last question I have for you before we, we finalize our scribbling predictions. Um, last question I have is the beginning of this, well, halfway through the season. I think it was episode four. We you know, get a sense that, you know, love conquers all. And Lady Danbury is, is talking to Simon about, um, in universe explanation for why there's, you know, people of color in these huge roles within British society, which is a really interesting aspect Mm -hmm. that I'm not sure the show really wanted to go down that route to continue talking about that conversation. Um, and, and not necessarily like we need to make a stand on why this is all equal opportunity, but just to talk about the, the mythology within universe and how that happened. And we even have like instance where Simon's dad is telling him, listen, we have to be exceptional. We have to be. Yeah. Nothing ever comes of that. 
like there's never a threat to Simon's dukedom. There's never a, there's never any more conversation about the world that was formed because the king married Queen mm-hmm. Charlotte and mm-hmm. love conquers all. Do you find that to be okay? Is that relevant to you or is it just a nice piece of background information? Well, I think as the series continues, because we know that they hope to have more seasons of this show, that it will be something that will be further explored. And that being said, I'm interested to see how much more inclusive they are of other races. You know, like we obviously saw a fair share of of black and brown faces and and friends, but I didn't necessarily see a lot of Asians represented in this show. Sure. Um, I didn't necessarily see a lot of Latinos. You know what I mean? Like just people who looked different than the traditional um, time period piece in British high society. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that it definitely took a big step. And like you said, they acknowledged it in the plot a little bit to wet our whistle. Mm -hmm. It has not been addressed or brought up ever since. And so... Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? I don't think it's something that... I necessarily have thought of until right now. And I see it as something that it's just to be continued. You know, I think that they've opened up this door and they've opened up this dialogue with the knowledge that they wanted to have more seasons. Um, So we'll see, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm just very interested in this universe. I think that this is a exceptional and fun show and I'm glad that we've been able to go down it but especially you know like you're saying the diversity to be able to bring it up in those couple of instances and then to not have anything follow through in the later parts leads me to believe that maybe more will come in season two I think I'll say this do I do I do I want an explanation do I want further explanation yeah I think I'd like to do it I think I'd like to go down that road and, and have a little bit more of the mythology explored of, of how this came to be and, and all I mean, of that. But this is how like nerdy we are. We're <clears> like, <throat> give us the mythology right. behind this completely fun, like magically colored yeah. sex next to swans Netflix show that yeah. we binged. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, on the other hand, there are sometimes in a story, mm-hmm. the the world that you create, some things just have to be because yes. that's what it has to be. I think of Star Wars. Han Solo is sitting at that table and he has a history with Greedo. And there is a sense that Han Solo is a, a, a bad guy, but dashing and he's, he's good looking he's and he, he's tough. He's a cowboy. And, yeah. And he's talking about the Kessel run and the whole thing. Do I need the information about the Kessel run? Do I need to know why he's sitting at that table? Do I need the solo movie? Do I need the solo movie? No, I don't. It's just something that I accept because that's what the world demands of me. And so my whole point is this. If the show doesn't, go back and explain any of it. If if nothing comes of what Simon's father says to him, I think I'll be okay. Just knowing, just knowing that that's what the world demands that I accept. Agreed. There's just some, there are rules that I have to be okay with. And that might be one of them. And I'm not just okay. I'm loving. (laughs) All right. You ready to finalize our, our, uh, how do you still need to finalize your scribbling predictions? We're going to memorialize it. Okay. Okay, Here we go. 
All right, number one. We know that the person that is going to inherit the feathering estate is a man. That's what the person, that's what the lady says to Lady Featherington when she hands the note. Mm-hmm. When Lady Featherington opens the note, she has a, a, a visceral reaction. So it's someone that they know. It's someone that she knows, like personally, it, that would piss her off. So it, is it is it like the Bridgertons? I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. Is it Will? Is it Will? Maybe. Maybe Will has uh, an in on that deed. Possibly. Maybe that's part of the payoff, right? But th- that's a stretch. That's a stretch. I don't think he would have given his house. But yeah, it's more like next in line because he's dead. We're looking at family. Yeah, so it's got to be Marina's father, right? Because uh, I don't think any of the characters that are already in the show would elicit that kind of reaction. And it wouldn't make sense to have it be a Bridgerton because they're already the main family. Unless can it be like given to the bank? I mean, if he has the deed, it means that his house is paid for, yeah, I guess. That it's so his. never mind. Yeah. yeah. So it has to be someone that she knows and it has to be someone that's somewhat related to the plot that we just that we've already saw. Known. Okay. So it has to be, it has to be Marina's dad. Yes. Um, so that's what I'm going to say about that. The, the next one is that I think Will is going to, is going to get it. And that might be one of the things that happens early next season. And that's how Simon and Daphne are going to come back into the picture. Back to London. They're going to come back to London to deal with what happened to Will. That's my guess. Okay. That's my thought. So you got any scribbling predictions? No, I never do. I just lay it all out as I talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Uh, You ready to close it out? I sure am. Let's do it. of props to Simon's amazing horse sound when he was oh, making yeah. the paper horse. <laughs> I've watched it out many times. No, see, that's like, that's nothing compared to his horse. Yeah, no, he's good. The, the reverberations with inside his mouth, I can't even handle <laughs> Man's it. Man's talented with his mouth. Seriously, we saw that in the bookshelves. Um, so, <laughs> or in on the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gents, this has been nothing but a pleasant and lovely and joyful experience to binge Bridgerton with you. Um, you know, this this year while we've been recording, 2020 and 2021, been crazy. And for you to join us as we escape to this colorful, fun world uh, has been it, it's been a true, true light. Yeah, it's been a, a show that you can escape uh, the world from you know you can get you can get into this era the regency era and especially in this alternative universe of the regency era and just be cool with it and enjoy not only the story but the beautiful costumes the cool lighting the different things that they tried to accomplish and really engage in this community that has been birthed out of this show one that i definitely did not expect you know i did not expect the kind of attention that our podcast and our, our various sites, especially jointhenerdclan.com, um, has received. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been incredible just to chat with all of you and, and, and be a part of that. So know that this isn't the end. Just because Bridgerton, um, this show, is 
is currently done. The season is done. We will be having a wrap up podcast episode. And then there's plenty of other shows that Blake and I are going to be podcasting about in the meantime. We would love for you to check them out. MaryAnnBlake.com. And as Blake just mentioned, our friends at jointhenerdclan.com. If you have binged these podcast episodes and you enjoyed them, and this is the first time you've met Blake and I, know that one of the kindest things you can do for us right now is to head on over to jointhenerdclan.com. And for as little as $2 a month, that is less than your cup of coffee, hmm. um, you can contribute to this to keep our site to keep our podcasting fees and honestly this is what we do yep this is my job my job and it's <laughs> listener supported and so if this has brought you joy that is one of the best ways that you can uh, keep it going and you can help keep an independent little company like ours afloat especially during these times so uh thank you everybody for taking the time to join yes. us and and get lost in uh, the world of bridgerton for a little bit as for now my name is mary larson my name's blake now go brew some more tea. And a girl. <laughs> <laughs>